Welcome to New York Institute of Technology's podcast, The Scope. Produced by the College of Osteopathic Medicine, our episodes focus on the medical school experience and how it helps shape future physicians. Learn about exciting new health and wellness initiatives, cutting-edge medical research and technology, and how to effectively navigate medical school. We are excited to have you join us. Good evening, and welcome to the Scope Podcast. I'm Isabel Lombardi, second-year medical student at the NYIT Comm New York campus, and I'm honored to be your host for our podcast today. We are joined by an amazing panel of medical students, our medical school dean, and a valued academic affairs director who will share their valuable insights, advice, and experiences regarding effective study techniques, available support services, and academic options during medical school. Please welcome from our New York campus, fourth year medical student, SGA president and podcast committee member, Nadim Kwasi, director of the NYITCOM Academic Affairs Enrichment Specialist Team, Cheryl Newman, and our special guest, NYITCOM Dean, Dr. Nicole Wadsworth. And from our Arkansas campus, please welcome third-year medical student and SGA executive president, Jasmine Stewart, and second-year medical student and valued podcast committee member, Arsh Sheff. Thank you all for joining us today. To open our conversation today, I would like to ask our student panel if they experienced any changes to their personal study methods when entering medical school, and if so, was this surprising or expected? And how did you handle this change? Uh, that's a great question, Isabel. Honestly, it's funny you say that. I feel like I changed my study methods like every week, especially that first semester of medical school. Um, it, it really is like a big trial and error process. Um, you know, you kind of study what you can for the first week and then you realize, oh, like I want to try using Anki. And then second week you use Anki and you're like, wait, I'm not an Anki person. So you try using, you know, just school lectures and studying from the slides. And then third week, I'll try to do both at the same time and realize I don't have 80 hours in one day. I can't do everything at the same time. So it's it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of asking your upperclassmen, you know, how do you study? And then picking apart little it's and bits and pieces of what other people are doing and trying to synthesize your own unique study plan uh, that's tailored and suits just you. And... It's wonderful if, if the students come and visit my department, the Academic Enrichment Services Department, and just get a feel for what do we suggest? What have you tried? What are the other students doing? What's working for you versus other students? Arsh, would you like to add on? Yeah, I think uh, Nadim is definitely spot on with the trial and error method. I think personally for me, I remember being a very pen and paper oriented guy in uh, all through undergrad. But I remember when coming through med school and the first semester it was really just trying to take my notes online. And then I remember really, you know, in undergrad, it was a lot more dedicated towards the professor and the way they taught. But I think in medical school, it's a lot more the curriculum so much broader that you really have to use your materials from outside as well and really tap into that and make a, a sort of a plethora in a way. So uh, but that's something that I've I learned about myself and, you know, went through that process. Well, thank you so much for everyone's input. I definitely went through the same struggles and learning experiences when I started as well. For our next question, 
Were there any specific study techniques, support options, or study tools that you found very useful and effective during your preclinical years of study? Jasmine, would you like to start us off? Sure, yeah. So for my first year, uh, everyone was talking about Anki and the upperclassmen decided that they were going to bestow upon the lower class uh, incoming class the know-hows of how to deal with Anki. And so we actually sat for two hours to have a tutorial learning how to, to, to manage this, this software because you really have to be a software person and almost have to learn know how to code to a certain extent <laughs> to use Anki appropriately. And so uh, I tried that. Uh, didn't work for me for the first semester, but what I was doing with it was incorrect. So I started doing some research on, you know, online YouTube, how do students use Anki in med school? Tons of different ways to do it. Today, I currently use Anki, yes, as a third year med student, but how I used it in my first year, first semester is completely different to how I use it third year, second semester. So just being able to adapt and change to the different resources that are available to you because you will absolutely have analysis paralysis. You'll have way too many choices and it can be very overwhelming. So when you find what works for you in your first semester after speaking with AES or fellow peers or a tutor, definitely find what works for you and keep it and just kind of tweak it as you go through the curriculum. Yeah, that's a good point, Jasmine. Honestly, I think the biggest stressor of first year is that there are so many things you can study. There's so many options and it's it's overwhelming. You can't learn from everything. You can't use everything. So uh, it becomes a matter of what do you use and when do you use it? Not to call them tools, but I think the, the most best tool that I have had in the first couple of years of med school is using my friends to study. First exam, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't do very hot. I tried using Anki, I tried using notes. The factor that I think caused me not to do super well in my first exam was that I only studied by myself in my room locked up like one little sad light on my desk crammed over my computer i didn't talk to anybody especially those last two weeks before the exam and i really started to see my score soar um, when i started studying with my friends and you know talking about difficult concepts that i didn't even realize i didn't completely understand until i started explaining it to my friends that's honestly where a lot of the holes start to appear right when you start explaining something to someone or someone's explaining it to you in a way that you didn't or haven't necessarily thought of in that way, if that makes sense. So yeah, study with your friends for sure. They're definitely the best study tool uh, I've had access to. Arsh, would you like to add on? Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, apart from uh, what both my, both my friends have said, I think the biggest thing that I also uh, did and learned about was that you really have to test yourself using a lot of the practice questions that are available out there. You can learn the material so many different ways, but the reality is you really have to test yourself and are you able to retain that knowledge and I think that in itself, so practice questions, you know, just if you can hammer those out and do a lot of those, then you can actually retain that material for a longer term and really be more effective in your preclinical years. I definitely resonate with everything that's been said. So thank you so much. One of the resources I know NYTCOM has is peer tutoring. I utilized it as a first year and I am actually a peer tutor this year in my second year. And it's a way to review more difficult concepts in lectures as a first year medical student. So that's definitely a resource that I would recommend as well. For our next question is for uh, Director Cheryl Newman. So we are very fortunate to have the director of our academic enrichment team on our panel this evening. Can you tell us a little bit more about your department and the services offered to students? Thank you for having me on the panel tonight. 
Um, and yes, let me begin with um, telling you a little bit about our department and um, who we are. I just transitioned into this role as director. I worked with everyone, and now I am going to be focusing on any student who fails a course. So I will follow all those students, and along with that role, I'm also the um, accommodations coordinator. So any student who needs accommodations comes my way. I'll go through the process with them. I will um, receive their documentation and review it and then present to the accommodations committee. We address time management and the importance of making a schedule and having a plan. Note-taking strategies such as the Cornell note-taking method. We also have um, methods for staying focused. An example of that is the Pomodoro method. Ways to help students organize all the information, such as mind mapping. And to help the students see the big picture and make ideas easier to understand, we suggest a strategy known as concept mapping. Um, Self-testing was something that was brought up earlier, and we encourage the student to do this throughout all of their courses. We are consistently reminding them of how important it is to do something like that. Moving on, in addition to all the study strategies that I mentioned, we also provide students with board preparation. Board preparation is an ongoing process, and we typically have many meetings with a student. We work with them from the onset of board prep and until they successfully pass their exams, with the goal being passing on the first attempt. It's so nice because students love to drop by our office and give us an update, just like how, how they're coming along. They come in, they're like, doing good. I'm keep, I keep going, I'm getting a little tired, but I'm good. We all pride ourselves on making the academic enrichment department a comfortable place for the students to come. We're so informal and students are able to walk in at any time they need to. Thank you so much for your input, Director Newman. The uh, academic enrichment specialists are a great resource for all of our students at both campuses uh, at NYITCOM. And I have a couple follow-up questions for the full panel. As acclimating to life as a medical student, how long did you try a specific study technique or tool before deciding that it was working or not working well for you? This was briefly addressed earlier with trying something maybe for a week or two, but maybe going into more depth uh, would be helpful for students listening. Jasmine, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, when I first went to my AES on my campus here in Arkansas, they informed me to make sure that I am actually trying a strategy that I know is effective. 
And my first question was, well, how do I know if it's working? You know, we have these pre-comps or these exams and I'm like, do I have to fail the first one to figure it out? So there, there is a little bit of tying in what Nadim mentioned as far as like working with your study group. It's really important that when you are on a specific study habit that you're trying out for the first time, dedicate enough time where between that day that you start this new habit and to the time that you meet with your study group or every Friday, whatever you'd want to do, just like give yourself some practice questions like Arsh was talking about and talk through the concepts with your study group. And then, then you'll see, okay, how big are these gaps of knowledge that I have? I felt like I was doing a really good job or I was getting all these questions right, but were we really doing like level one questions or were we doing like higher vignette questions? So that would be my recommendation for that. It's kind of individualized. Um, so just make sure you speak with someone in AES about this and just kind of find that timeline that works for you. Um, and yeah, and kind of to elaborate when Jasmine was mentioning the pre-comprehensive exams, um, for those of you listening at home, it's essentially just these mini exams that we take in actual exam settings leading up to the big exam that we're all studying for. And those honestly are a really good metric for how well you know the content. I definitely have done not very well on a couple pre-comprehensive exams. And then that was my wake-up call saying, okay, whatever I'm doing right now to this point, it's not working. I got to whip myself into shape. I got to change whatever I'm doing. And I think that was the best way I could kind of gauge my trial and error method of what was going on or what was working for me, what wasn't. And if you're at a different medical school, I'm sure your school has something similar. You know, a lot of them have weekly quizzes or our school offers this thing where we have a weekly or bi-weekly question session. It's called peer instruction. All the professors will read off some questions that are designed uh, to kind of fit the format of the content that we're learning for that block. You could use these questions that provide to kind of see, okay, like, am I actually learning this content or do I got to kind of mix it up a little bit? Thank you, everyone, for your valuable advice. Moving on to our next question tonight, what are some of the most effective tips that you have learned from your peers? And then maybe what are some of the most effective tips that you've also passed on to first-year medical students? Arsh, would you like to start us off? The most effective tip that I was told when I joined medical school was that um, you know, I don't know how successful this is or not, but I really thought was told that you treat this like a nine to five job and you, you know, you treat it like an actual job that you're going to do for your career. Because if you treat it like that, then you are going to be consistent. You're going to be timely. And I think those are just skills that you have to develop for later anyway. So might as well start developing them now. And so that was the best advice that I was told and I've loved it ever since. And I think the one thing that I've always passed on to students that are incoming or, you know, someone who's first year, for example, or even at other colleges, really, I think we all come from very successful backgrounds in, in sense that, you know, medical students are very successful and highly educated, but I think we still have to learn to ask for help. So I think that is the one most important thing that I can give to anyone is that be okay to ask for help because, you know, that's why they're here and that's why we have our school offers all these services. And so uh, be okay with that. Very nicely said. I definitely agree with everything. For our next question, how did your study techniques change from preclinical years to clinical education and board prep? Uh, yeah, clinical education is definitely a very different ball game from our preclinical years. Um, and the format kind of shifted from learning from these very structured and formatted lectures that kind of laid out exactly what you need to know uh, into finally being thrown into the wards, um, learning everything from you know seeing these patients and putting our hands on these patients to physical exams and then realizing you actually don't 
don't know anything when you're doing these practice questions. It's a lot of getting these practice questions wrong and then learning from those practice questions and trying to figure out, okay, what do I not know up until you take that shelf exam? Um, so definitely very different style, but it's, it's interesting because when you take an exam for preclinical years, you're kind of thinking, okay, like I saw that slide from lecture five, like slide 37, bullet two. But then when you're taking your shelf exam, you're thinking, oh, I saw that patient two weeks ago at 9 a.m. It's, it's interesting. It really does bring the, the stuff you learn in your preclinical years to life in front of you. I love it a lot more, to be quite honest with you. It's more frustrating, but it's, it's, it's a very rewarding experience for sure. Thank you so much, Nadim, for your input. I'd like to ask a similar question to Dr. Wadsworth as he was a medical student at NYTCOM. Do you have any input on what's been mentioned thus far uh, that you think would be useful to the students listening? Sure. Th- thank you so much. Um, it's really great to, to join you today. The first thing I want to do is echo and expand on some of the comments that the students have already made. Because in one sense, you really don't need me here. They're saying things that I really believe allow a student to be successful. And those students that I've interacted with over the last 25 years or so don't do those things. For me, really highlights why they're important. So one, Jasmine um, I don't even know if you remember, but you said to adapt. And, and I think that is a critical skill to be able to use through medical school because situation changes. And not only will it help you through medical school as you approach studying and all the different things that you have to deal with, but it also will really serve you well as a practicing physician. We're, we're watching the landscape of healthcare delivery change at a rate that is sort of mind boggling. So the more you're able to adapt, I think the more successful you will be. It's just how it is. The other thing Nadim, I believe said this, is studying groups. Absolutely, hands down, 100%. It's fine to study on your own, and sometimes you need that time to process, but to get out of your own head and to engage with others around material and difficult concepts is critical. And again, this is a skill that will serve you well as you go on to practice medicine. I practiced emergency medicine for about 20 years. There wasn't a single day I practiced alone. I always had people around me that I could talk to, engage with, get advice, think about things differently. It's an excellent skill. It will serve you well. And Arsh mentioned the use of practice questions. Absolutely. Great way to approach material. As you advance in your medical education, it will help you immensely. One tactic that I would suggest, and I use this more when I was researching for my boards, which I just did um, for the second time. So, you know, newsflash, you will take exams for the rest of your career. And, and I've been doing this for 30 plus years. Use questions both to assess where you're at. So, so take a practice test before you even study the material. Get a sense for where you're at and then use the, that question experience to direct where to study. Because as students, one of the things, and and we all do this, it's probably more of a human nature, we tend to study or engage with things that we feel more comfortable with, that we have knowledge about, that we think we know. And you tend not to engage with things that are harder 
are maybe a little bit um, more difficult. So use those test questions to focus your study. Maybe you really know acid base. Don't keep studying that. Study the enzyme um, pathways that you're not familiar with. So those are all really, really great pieces of advice. The other is, and, and I think Nadeem or a couple of you had mentioned this, the sheer volume of resources that are available. It's overwhelming. As Jasmine mentioned, use some, see if that works for you, and if not, move on to another. But don't overwhelm yourself trying to use 15 resources all at once. That will just really prevent you from moving forward. It's just entirely too much. Use peer advice, use mentor advice, um, use your faculty advice to help you hone in on what are those things that really, really help you. Now, to harken back to my ancient history as a medical student, sometimes it's hard to believe I was actually a medical student. Some of the skills that I used, I had a great peer. He was a critical care nurse before he came to medical school. He was my best study buddy. And, and we, we studied all through medical school and he was great just to, to work on um, issues. And I definitely used that test question maneuver. I would always assess where I was and then help focus my study. I felt like that made me a more efficient studier. Thank you so much, Dr. Wadsworth. I know everyone listening and everyone on the panel here today is so appreciative of your advice. For our next question tonight, I want to address the whole panel with our various perspectives. If a student does not perform as well as they would like on an exam, what advice would you give them for best next steps? Jasmine, would you like to start us off? Sure. Um, this has happened quite often with some of my mentees or just anyone looking for advice. My first response is feel the feeling. Okay. Especially if it's the first exam as a medical student, as Arsh mentioned, we are normally high achievers coming in here. And so that's going to be a heavy blow. And so feel the feeling, but the next day we need to move. We need to work. We need to have a plan. And so if we get frozen and not understanding where we need to start, my first move was I made an appointment with Stephanie Foster and I talked to her through a plan. Is it my schedule? We talked that out. I showed her what I had. We worked through that. My second point of contact was my mentor. She was an upperclassman one year above me. And so she gave me very insightful advice. And then I was like, when I failed my first exam, because it happens, my immediate thought was I'm going to go to the smartest people I think are smart in my class. And I messaged them and I said, hey, so I'm going to be vulnerable. I just failed this test. Is there any way I can join either your study group or can we make one together? And we ended up forming a study group. And now we call ourselves the infamous trio. We went from not doing so well or average of the pack to getting 90s or, you know, very high scores on certain things. And so we hadn't seen that before. And so we were very proud of ourselves. So don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Feel the feeling, but what's the plan? And who do I need to contact to help me make that plan? So that would be my advice for a student who goes into that realm. Director Newman, would you like to add on? So I want to piggyback off what was just said by Jasmine. And I liked when she said that she went to Stephanie, because that is when you need a student needs to come to us. When students first come into medical school, you are, you're vulnerable. I always tell students, you guys are smart. You made it here, right? 
you made it into medical school. Pat yourself on the back. We start off with that. You're given this abundance of information and a very short time in which to learn it. So you have to adjust. And that was spoken about. We listen. We let you talk. What happened? What are your feelings? And then we create that individualized plan. We will work with you to figure out what works for you. Do not compare. Jasmine said, don't compare yourself to the next person. I always tell students, you don't know who you're comparing yourself to. Students have to be very careful of that. I believe Osh might have mentioned it about the teaching and, and knowing what you know and working with peer groups. One thing that students need to remember, if you could teach what you have just learned, you know you know it. And when you're talking it out loud and explaining it, you will know when you messed up because you're going to stumble. If you can't teach it smoothly, you have a gap. And that's where your peer group comes in and they fill in the gaps. Thank you so much, everyone. For our next question, it will be for Dr. Wadsworth and Director Newman. When a student needs to remediate a course, can you tell us about this process at NYITCOM and how these courses ultimately benefit students in the long run? Well, Isabel, I'll, I'll jump in there. Um, so we have a variety of ways we approach uh, the situation when students need to remediate. And it in part is dependent upon when the difficulty occurred. So if, if a student has a difficult time early on in their medical career, so the first semester is an example, we've developed some coursework that students move into um, after their first semester if it's unsuccessful to really tackle how to study, how to approach content, how to approach large volumes of content so that they ultimately can be successful. Because our underlying belief is that students that matriculate into medical school can be successful. And sometimes it's just a transition period and that first semester doesn't give students enough time to transition. And so we wanna support them, give them some additional skills, and many students to date have gone back into the medical school curriculum and done quite well. So, so that's one approach. And then the other approach is, is giving students an opportunity just to remediate content that they had a difficult time with. And that's a little bit more focused, like as an example, anatomy or perhaps clinical skills. So, so it's a little bit more focused and not as, as lengthy in volume, again, to support students to be successful so they can demonstrate mastery of content. Thank you so much for your insight. Director Newman, do you have something to add on? First, I want to say that, of course, I agree with everything that uh, Dr. Wadsworth just mentioned. And I just want to reiterate what I said before. Whenever a student does need to remediate, the AES team will keep close track of the student and work with them. They don't reach out to us immediately as soon as they didn't pass or do as well on an exam as they hoped. We will reach out to him or her. 
that total tracking, if you want to call it, and coming together and talking about where was the problem? When did you find you fell? Really helps. And and I, I can't agree more about that transition period, Dr. Wadsworth. Sometimes students just need a little bit more time because by the time they figure it out, they're up to exam three. And if you didn't do well on exam one and two, sometimes it's hard to recuperate from that. Thank you so much. I know that's a question that a lot of students have, whether they're at our school or another medical school. So thank you. For our next question, it's going to be for Dr. Wadsworth. Since many of the parameters for medical education have remained unchanged for decades, with the increased requirements and responsibilities for medical students today, has the medical education community discussed or considered the possibility of offering medical students more flexibility in the timing required to complete medical school? And how is this handled at NYIT.com? Great question. And so I addressed it a little bit with our approach when students have a difficult time in the, the first semester and to give to slow things down a little bit and really address study skills and approach content. Um, I have challenged our faculty to think about this because one of the things that I've said to them is that the volume of medical knowledge has dramatically increased in the recent past, and it continues to increase at really incredible rates. And, and I think in the foreseeable future, it is going to be unattainable to gather all of the medical knowledge into a single human brain, and that we are going to be more reliant on technology and resources to understand all of the medical knowledge that exists, and how do we then apply that to patient care? And, and these are the challenges that I've given our faculty, and they're up for it. They're incredibly engaged and excited to sort through this, how do we help package medical knowledge in the most effective way to share with the students so they can acquire that knowledge and go on to be successful? Jasmine, the adaptability is just as um, critical to our faculty and to our medical school as it is to a medical student. And so we have to continue to adapt and change and understand the environment so that we can help you as our students be successful. So I don't have a specific answer. We haven't quite figured out the details, but I'm completely certain that, that our faculty will continue to find ways to do this to help students be successful as we approach just amazing medical knowledge discoveries that happen virtually every day. Thank you so much, Dr. Wadsworth, for openly discussing how NYTCOM is addressing this topic in medicine and for medical schools in general. I want to thank everyone, our whole panel of students, Director Newman and Dr. Wadsworth for being with us. And before we officially conclude, I want to move into the very important topic of work-life balance. So how do you maintain a healthy work-life balance and how can not doing so adversely impact your overall studies. Dr. Wadsworth, would you like to start us off? Yes, thank you. So th this is something that I think about probably every day. I think not 
trying to maintain some sort of well-being alongside of the other things you're doing is a detriment because if you cannot find ways to be your best, the best version of yourself, then you're not going to be able to study as well as you could. You won't be able to be the best physician that you can be. And so I think these things are critical and there's research to support that if we eat well, if we give ourselves opportunity to rest enough, if we exercise and are active and move our bodies, that all the other things we want to do are better. And we suffer from less depression, less anxiety. So I think it's important to pay attention to all these parts of our lives. And it's hard. And I know as a medical student, it's like, nope, I have to study. Nope, I have to study. Well, guess what? If you don't attend to some of these other needs, your study isn't going to be as good as it could be. For me, this is mission critical. I want the best physicians to graduate from NYTCOM, and I need the students' engagement to take attention and be a part of their wellness alongside of performing as well as you can on all those exams you have to do. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Director Newman, do you have something to add? Yes. When a student comes to us, any of the AES team, we ask them, what is it that you like to do? Many students tell me exercise. I don't want to give up my exercise, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing, as Dr. Wadsworth just mentioned. So I tell them, you must build that into your plan. And when we sit and we create a schedule, we'll go through what's the best time of the day. Do you like to do it early morning? Maybe in the middle of the day when you need to regroup and refresh yourself, maybe that's a good time. Different for everyone, but it's important to put it into the plan. Taking breaks. I'll tell students, take a 10-minute break every hour. So truly, an hour is really 50 minutes. You need those breaks. Just get up, walk around, go outside if it's nice, get some fresh air, come back. Many times when a student comes and they're doing, you know, not as well as they want, they'll say, I felt guilty taking a break. I, but Mrs. Newman, I study all day long. I don't stop. That's not going to do it. Your brain can't handle that. So taking those breaks, exercising, eating well, they are just as important as putting in good study time. Maybe some of the students can attest to that. <laughs> Arsh, would you like to add on? Yeah, I can surely add on to that. I think, uh, as mentioned earlier, a healthy work-life study balance is really the most important thing you can do. And for me, that really comes down to just making sure that I sleep it's not a secret, y'all. If you sleep, if you get your seven to eight hours of sleep, I think really makes a drastic difference in your approach to medicine and in your approach to studying. I think that for me is, you know, I love my sleep. And so I think that's what I would say for sure. And I think really taking care of your mental health is another added factor that, you know, a lot of people don't see and, you know, take into account. And I think as a medical student, you really have to make sure those things are on par so you can be as successful as you want to be. Jasmine, do you have something you'd like to add on? Definitely sleep, as our said, eating well. Sometimes it's we slip and that's okay. But also don't forget your hobbies. Don't forget what we put 
in our med school applications, what you're going to be putting in your ERAS applications. Those are what are going to be talking points in our interviews. So one of the things that I try to make time for when it's sunny outside is I love car things and I like to take my car to the racetrack. So I drive about an hour to two hours away and I spend time doing that half of a day and I dedicate that and build it into my schedule. So I think as long as you don't forget where you came from, what makes you you, you'll do really, really well. It's okay. We're going to fall at some point. We're just got to pick ourselves back up and not forget our focus. Honestly, I think uh, the first two years of medical school were really, really fun. And the reason I think it was fun is because I really structured my fun like i feel like i generally if you look at my google calendar like every weekend i had something kind of fun or really fun planned out because it kind of gave me motivation to work and earn that fun looking back like i had a lot of fun in medical school but it's because you got to have a work hard play hard mentality if you're always studying you're always stressed out it's not productive you're going to burn out eventually but really important like everyone said balance is key balance is so key Thank you so much for everyone's advice. I know I appreciate it and other medical students and graduate students and anyone else listening um, will appreciate the advice as well. Well, this has been an amazing conversation and I would truly like to thank our panel for sharing their valuable insights, ideas, and experiences. I am confident that your contributions will benefit many students. Thank you all for joining us. And also a very special thanks to all of our valued listeners.